Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. So now, if you would, stand with me and hold your Bibles up, your iPhones, whatever you have, and uh, love this confession. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're doing a series this month entitled Captivated, and, uh, you know, there are things that get our attention like none other. We're literally captivated by them, our thoughts, our desires, our actions, and all those things reflect that, and uh, there are certain things in Christianity that captivate different ones of us. Some of you are captivated by worship, that if I never preached another day, you'd be okay with that. It's, uh, you know, I mean, kind of, but I'm just saying you're primarily captivated by music. And, you know, that used to be a little bit offensive to me when I was insecure and younger, thinking, well, you know, the Word of God, and it's true that if you don't hear the Word, uh, you won't grow in the Word. And worship opens our hearts and prepares a way for the, the seed of God's Word to be sown in us. And uh, so, uh, but some of you are very captivated by the Word. I'm, I, when I go to the gym... I typically don't listen to music. I listen to Joel. So if you ever listen to Joel, I will steal some of his stuff. Uh, I, I, I listen to preaching because I want to get fed while I'm working out. Now, sometimes I'll listen to music, but most of the time I'm captivated by, by the Bible and word truth. And that's what does it for me. And some of you are captivated by prayer. And boy, I am so thankful for you. That, that you're on top of it every day, every morning, and you know how to pray, and that's a great thing. And, uh, but when I got born again, I, I really didn't understand much about God or the Word of God. I didn't really know how God worked today. I wasn't sure uh, how to really connect with God. I just knew I didn't want to go to hell. And uh, that was enough for me at the time, and then I began to grow in the Word of God. And there were certain things that captivated me. And one thing that became a great debate in my world was the thought or idea of miracles. And that is still a great topic of debate amongst denominations, theologians, uh, theological universities uh, throughout the world. Uh, does God still do miracles today? I'm, I'm very captivated by miracles, when, at the thought of miracles. And do I fully understand them? No, I don't. Do I have a grasp of them? I think I do. And with that said, I, I, I know that some people say, well, you know, if God is a miracle-working God, why didn't certain things happen that we were praying for? Sometimes, if not most of the time, we are incapable of understanding why God does some of the things that He does. Or better yet, let's just put it the way, allows some of the things He allows because God's a good God. And God would never inflict us with any type of disease or sickness. God would never punish us in a, in a way that was not redemptive. And there's a difference in punishment and, and discipline. God is a God of discipline. 
Now, any punishment that comes our way is a result of the choice we make. That would not be God's choice. That would not be God's idea. And so the question is, in, in going through two degrees, an undergrad degree, a master's degree, one of the great debates in theology was, and probably still is, is the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament one and the same? Now, I'm getting theological here. And this blows a lot of people's minds because we don't think in those terms. Why? Because the Old Covenant and New Covenant seem to be quite different in many ways. In the Old Covenant, uh, they sacrificed animals for, as an atonement for sin because there was no perfect sacrifice. So they would, they would extract from a herd, uh, the, 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 uh, a lamb without spot or blemish that was perfect. It wasn't harmed in any way or it had no issues, no physical problems. And they would sacrifice that. So we see in the Old Testament sacrificial lamb. Well, we have the answer to that in the New Testament that Jesus became the Lamb of God. And there's a reason he was called the Lamb of God because in the Old Testament they sacrificed lambs. So God was trying to communicate to the world, this is the Lamb of God slain for the sins of man. And so we see a lot of uh, things from the Old and the New Testament that are similar or fulfilled. And then we wonder about some things. So I don't think any of us would argue that uh, it's a miracle that when Israel came to the Red Sea with Egypt behind them and this massive sea before them, that nobody would say it's, it's not a miracle that God parted the waters. Except there are some liberal theologians who say, well... As our studies have revealed, during that era, during that time, it was very dry. That there really wasn't much water at the Red Sea. Which the new argument is, well, it's even a greater miracle that all those Egyptians drowned in a cup of water. So you, you can't get around the miracle of the Red Sea, whether you're a liberal or a conservative. You cannot get around the fact that that was a miracle. Either it was a miracle that God parted this massive body of water, or it's a miracle that God was able to drown all those Egyptians that were going to kill his people with just a little bitty puddle. Okay, so are we there? I just helped some of you to have a water cooler discussion and look like a real theologian. Because the question by many people is, are miracles like that still happening today? Are miracles that Jesus performed like healing lepers, does that still happen today? And, or was that just for Bible times? Well, I think the question you would have to ask yourself is why wouldn't I believe in miracles? Because you're afraid of looking dumb. You're afraid of somebody making fun of you. You're afraid of somebody that, that's going to attack you for a faith. And, and let me tell you something. You'll believe in miracles the day you need one. So I'm going to talk about this being captivated by miracles. Because I believe miracles happen. And sometimes they don't happen overnight. Sometimes it's years before a miracle happens. There are people that have been praying for spouses and family members to come to Jesus. Sometimes it's for decades and decades and decades and, and nothing's happening. And as a result of nothing happening, you begin to lose faith. And you begin to allow yourself or the, the passion in you or the expectation in you to fade. And you, you just give up hope. And, and, and you know what? Bad things do happen to good people. And, and we start focusing on why the bad thing happened instead of focusing on the good God who's going to take care of the bad thing. So when I think about miracles, I think every day that I get up, 
I experienced a miracle. Why? I didn't get up this morning and tell myself to breathe. I got up this morning and breathed. That's a miracle. That God created a brain so sharp that you don't have to say, Oh, I, I think I need to breathe right now. You just breathe. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that if you think about it, that we can walk. I mean, you're on these, some of y'all have little feet. You are really a walking miracle because how do you walk on those nubs? I mean, it's amazing to me that some of you can stand. And we balance our bodies on top. That's, we, we take it for granted, but it's a miracle that we can truly do that. So I just am trying to state some things this, this morning that might help us to see that every day that we live, we are living miracles. We really are. And we take it so for granted without realizing that God truly is every day working miracles in us and through us. But we don't look at miracles that way. We look at them as these massive, huge things like a, a Red Sea, a Jordan, the walls of Jericho coming down when they go around seven times on seven days and then they blow the horn and all of a sudden a horn can take down this massive city. It wasn't the horn that took it down. It was a miracle working God that says, you're standing between my children and my promise to my children and you have to get out of the way. you're not captivated you'll give up you'll let go you can change I can change we can change we can be different people but we have to have the word of God working in us because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God I know when things look impossible God makes them possible when I first moved here I was, I was uh, starting a church and um I had sold a house in Victoria, Texas, and uh, I had already been pre-approved for a loan, and, but I'm starting a church, so I, I didn't, you know, how long have you been at your job? That's a pretty typical question they ask when you want to borrow money. And so, you know, I, I had a, uh, a loan officer that filled everything out. He said, everything's going to be fine. And literally the day of closing, we get a call, and uh, the 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 mortgage company had called uh, Victory Christian Center in Tulsa because that's where I worked at one time and they thought it was the same entity and they called and, and asked one of the receptionists. Now it wasn't even a, wasn't even a, a boss or a, a pastor. It was just a receptionist. Mark, Mark Crow worked there. She said, oh no, he hadn't worked here in years. <laughs> and I hadn't. I'd been gone in another church. And so as a result of that, they called and said, we're, we're not going to give you the loan. Well, I'd already signed the contract on the house. I, I was in. I mean, it would, the people would moved out. We, they said they were Christian folks. They'd go ahead and move in. And I'm sitting there, and I, and just for a second, and I went, hold on. I am not going to get down over this. God has another way. Amen. This must not have been the way God wanted to go, but God's got another way. It was a miracle. Guess what? I ended up buying the house. I was happy. Didn't lose a day of sleep. When you believe that God's a miracle-working God, you can stay happy. Because whenever things look the darkest, sometimes it just takes a flicker of light for everything to change. And so, if you would, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. Apostle Paul's telling the church at Corinth. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers 
of miracles. Also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. All are, uh, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. So we see in the letter to the church at Corinth that Paul is talking about the supernatural, and miracles are included. It always surprises me that based on our doubts, uh, we, we take certain things out of the Bible that we're not comfortable with. And if you're not comfortable with one part of the Bible and you can somehow convince yourself that it doesn't apply to today, then you pretty much have to get rid of the whole Bible. It's either all or nothing. It's not some and some not. It's all or nothing. And, and you know what? Uh, the, the evolution of understanding may change. In other words, our evolution of understanding God's Word should certainly be growing. However, don't let your lack of understanding change who God is. And so I want to put this, this little picture up. I got sent, it was sent to me yesterday. And uh, let's see, here it is. It says, how big is this problem on a scale of one to God? No longer a scale of one to ten. How big is your problem on a scale of one to God? Let me just tell you, any time God is put in a problem situation, he greatly overshadows the problem. He is a miracle-working God. And so the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, if anybody were to say, well, that was for then. Well, then I have to go back and look at the Scripture. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who was that written to? What city was that written to? Well, if you start telling me a part of the Bible was written for a specific city for a specific time, then none of us need the Bible. The Bible was written to all men, all women, for all time. And certainly, we are learning more and more as we understand God more and more. But the reality is, why wouldn't you believe in miracles? You're going to need one someday. I've needed miracles more times than I can count. And I don't ever want to minimize them. I'm going through a miracle situation right now. It's awesome. I really am. Remember, y'all, I told you I had a car demon. I had car demons. You remember that? About two weeks ago, both of my, I have, I have two Audis. I like them both. One of them was a gift, so I didn't buy both of them because some of y'all be asking, why does he have two Audis? What does he need two for? Because God gave me one. You think I'm going to say, oh, no, I have one. Bring it on. So... Anyway, they both were having issues. Well, I just laughed about it. One of them had a demon. Two of them had a demon. Well, I had a guy come up to me after church and said, I own a, a mechanic shop. You see, I'd already, I'd already, what I didn't tell anybody was, I'd already taken it to one mechanic, and he said it was going to take $3,000 to fix it. And I said, well, I'll drive it off a cliff first. <laughs> without me in it. I'd do one of those movie things and jump out going 80 without ever skinning a knee. And, and so guy comes up, and I, I, he said, I want to look at your car. I said, okay. So I took it to him. 
And uh, yeah, I, I knew what I was told was wrong with it, and I knew it was going to be at least $3,000. So I, about a week went by, and I said, look, take it. I'm going to be out of town. So a week goes by, and I didn't hear from him. So I called him. I said, you know, how's everything going? Because I'm thinking, you know, maybe this is a weird deal. He said, can I just have a little more time? I said, sure. He said, I said, well, what's it going to cost? You know what he said? Nothing. I'm taking care of you. That's a miracle. You say, well, that's not a miracle. That's a miracle, Jesse. When somebody dropping three grand in your lap, that's a miracle right up in here in my books. I'm just, that's what I'm thinking. Because, you know, I don't just go around peeling $3,000 off and saying, here, go eat. You see, we don't count that. That's a miracle. And y'all ain't as happy as I am because three grand wasn't coming out of your pocket. The one who gets the miracle is far more excited than the one who's just watching it happen. So right now, I'm thrilled today. I'm so happy. It's running out good. They see all five. About five people got happy about my miracle, Jesse. <laughs> okay. If it was your stinking car that was broken and you were told it was paid for, you'd be like, yeah, praise God. Former prime minister of Israel said, anyone who doesn't believe in miracles isn't a realist. God is real. Anyone who doesn't believe in miracles isn't a realist. And sometimes we just miss it. There was a man who was playing with his dog on the beach and, and his was highly trained and highly skilled and and uh he really kind of wanted to show him off so there was a guy walking down the beach and so he calls his dog over and come here come here and he, he calls this guy where he said come here i want to show you something and so he picks up a piece of driftwood and he throws it way out on the water and it's floating and he commands his dog go get it and the dog took off and the dog was running across the top of the water Retrieves it and comes back. And the man standing there said nothing. He did it again. The dog runs on top of the water, brings the driftwood back. Finally, the dog owner says, didn't you see that? What do you think? He said, really strange that your dog can't swim. <laughs> he missed the miracle. <laughs> Some people just miss it. You know, expect a dog to swim, not walk on water. You miss the miracle. You miss what God is doing because you're not looking for it and you're not looking in the right place. So let's talk just for today. I'm going to finish with this miracle diversity. Miracles happen in different ways. Miracles happen in different ways. We oftentimes think there's only one way for a miracle to occur. But in Acts chapter 19, verse 11, out of the Living Bible, it says, And God gave Paul the power to do unusual miracles so that even when his handkerchiefs or parts of his clothing were placed upon sick people, they were healed and demons within them came out. I want to buy some of Paul's clothing. I want that clothing line right there. Here, you buy this and you'll walk in miracles. You know, and people say, well, that's just strange. I know it's strange. It, 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 but see, we're trying to figure God out instead of be the recipient of what God has. 
Quit trying to figure God out. He is the God of the impossible. Nothing is too difficult for him. And he does it in strange ways. I mean, think about the blind guy. He can't see anything. And, and then Jesus comes up and, and, and he spits in dirt and makes mud. What is up with that? I don't know if Jesus was just playing. I don't know if he's messing with the people around there. But, but he spit, and he, he makes mud and packs it in his eyes. Now, that's a strange way to do a miracle, don't you think? And yet we, 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 we think, well, that was cool back then. Well, what if today... God told you to do something strange so that you could get what you need. And so the guy, when the mud comes off, he could see. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. See, sometimes we're not willing to do what we need to do to get the miracle we desire to have. You guys heard me tell the story sometime back about when, when, when I, I was going to have surgery on my neck. And God said, raise your hands. In worship to me. I was a new Christian. I didn't want to lift my hands in church. I thought all y'all were lunatics. I mean, you know, that's just strange to me. If you're going to praise God with hands raised, but the Bible says to do it, I would that men everywhere lift up holy hands in praise. Well, God's telling me to do that. I'm thinking, God, I don't want to be a weird Christian. And yet, weird Christians fill football stadiums every weekend. You talk about weird Christians. You don't know they're Christians. And you didn't know they had a belly that looked like a keg. Yeah. I mean, there are some bellies. And they paint. And they even make it worse because they paint on them so everybody will look at them. And they think nothing about it. We think nothing about it. Jumping up and down. Shouting and yelling the, the names of our favorite players. And we're going crazy. And then we come to church and we can't even say Jesus out loud. And we can't raise our hands. And we can't raise our voices. And, and why would I? Because he gave his life for us. Nobody else did. And you say, well, I, you know, I just... I just uh, you know, my, my, my religion and my faith is a private thing. I'm sure glad Jesus' faith wasn't private. That his religion wasn't private. That he didn't die behind closed doors in a synagogue. He said, bring the hill on. And all of you that want to come and watch me die, come and watch. Because I'm not ashamed of my Father in heaven. And I'm not ashamed of you who I'm about to die for. Captivated. By miracles. Matter of fact, I, I don't think we ask God for enough. I don't think we believe God for enough. I don't think we stand strong enough. I don't think we're, we're willing to believe that God could do something different for us. I catch myself now because I, I, when I start preaching on something, I start looking and saying, Mark, are you doing this? And if not, Why? And why haven't you been standing longer and stronger for what you want? And why, are you, why aren't you believing? And let me tell you something. I can give you a lot of answers to that question. Why aren't you believing? Well, God, you know, this happened, that happened. And it's like, hold it. One event in history trumps every excuse I have. And that event is the cross. He said, if I be lifted up. We've got to lift him up in our lives every day. We live in the shadow of the cross every day. 
if we'll put ourselves there. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, in the shadow of the Almighty, that we remain there to keep our faith strong. You know, every week I, I look out here and, and it's a great crowd today, but I just got to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, Mosaic Church OKC will be known as the Redemption Church around the world. A place where grace is not preached, but grace is lived. Where mercy triumphs over judgment. Where normal, authentic, sinful people can walk in and feel the grace and mercy of God without judgment. Because every one of us will need that in our lives. People say, well, why did, would you give so much grace? Because I need so much myself. So whatever you sow, you reap. That doesn't mean that you have to put up with things in your life that are harmful. I'm not saying that. You can have grace on someone as you walk away from them. I don't expect anybody to stay in an abuseful, abusive situation. I, I've been counseling people for years, and I, I say, you know, but as you exit, extend grace. You, you don't have to be mean. You just have to say, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. And so uh, it, it doesn't negate the possibility of where you're headed. Your miracle is there as you walk toward it. And so we have to approach the place of our miracle. I believe there are places. You heard me preach a year or two ago about how critical it is to be in the right place for God to do what God wants to do. That's how come there are times when I feel God leading me to be somewhere and I don't understand it, I go because I think God is leading me to the place of my miracle. I don't believe I, my life is my own. I don't believe that I can get from God somewhere else if I'm supposed to be here. That's how come when people get mad and leave any church, not just Mosaic Church, but, but, but when you get mad, it's never a good time to leave anywhere when you're angry. You, you just kind of need to say, you know, the Holy Spirit's leading me to another place. I think my miracle may be somewhere else. And, and, you know, I would pray for you. If this your miracle or what God has for you is not at Mosaic Church OKC, I want you to be in that place where God can do it. I, I, don't, I don't think that we're in competition. I believe we're a church in cooperation. The problem is we haven't been cooperating. We need to cooperate. We need to believe God for all people to be in a place that God can do supernatural things in their lives. That's what I want for you. If that wasn't happening to anybody here... I always said I would close the doors of a church for the sake of the people if I didn't feel like God could do something in our house. And, but here's what I found out. God's doing a whole lot in the house. We must stand firm and strong until we've been released or blessed. You'll be criticized and you'll be discouraged from time to time. You know, when you think about uh, Moses... He kept going to Pharaoh, needing the miracle of letting millions of people go. Whenever the Bible says there were a million men, <clears throat> you can always count on there being over a million women and probably millions of children. So when Moses goes into Egypt and he says to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship God. And then all these plagues come, one after the other. Those were miracle plagues trying to get Pharaoh to see that God was God. And Moses could have said after the third plague, it's not working. God, he's not responding. And you told me that if I would go to him and represent you, 
that it would happen. Well, we all know after the Passover and all the firstborn in, in Egypt were di died, it got Pharaoh's attention. Now, Pharaoh let them go, and, and it, they went with a lot of plunder from Egypt. But after he let them go, you have to understand, they were laborers. This may be the first human trafficking case in, in history is he had all of the Israelites working for almost nothing in Egypt and having to get their own straw, their own brick, and make the same amount of bricks every day after Moses came into the situation. But Moses refused to leave. He said, I am going to experience the miracle of setting God's people free. It didn't happen overnight, and it didn't happen easily. But it happened because he was persistent. And you stand... And when I look at, at these, these precious ladies on our staff having surgery, some people say, well, God didn't do a miracle. In my books, God did a great miracle. He trained mankind how to work and let uh, God work through their hands. Whether they give him glory or not, God's working through their hands to bring healing to these bodies. And see, some hardcore faith people would say, well, bless God, they didn't stand strong enough. No, they used their brain. And they stood. We don't criticize how the miracle happens as long as the miracle happens. You know, it's just so important that we not try to analyze things in such a way that everybody understands it because the Bible says God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's impossible for us to always clearly understand why God does it the way he does it. But I got to tell you, I am a living, breathing, walking miracle. I should be a puddle on the backside of nowhere. But God came and said, Mark, my plans for you have never changed. You're going to have a, uh, your latter is going to be greater than your former. I believe that. I'm living that. The latter part of my life is going to be better than the former. And you can say, well, that's, that's not nice. I'm not saying anything about anybody. I'm talking about me and God here. I'm talking about my walk with the Lord and what God will do in spite of difficulty. Never, ever let go of that. I, I just confess Job 42. At the end of my difficulty, like Job, I'm going to have twice as much as I had before. You say, well, where, where's it coming from? That's not my problem. That's God's. My problem isn't to find out where it's coming from. My, my only obligation is to get up every day and say, yes, Lord. Get her done today, my father. You said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. I could ask anything in your name and you'd do it. So, God, here I am. And if somebody's not listening to you, open their ears. Wherever that's to come from, get her done. <laughs> Let's be captivated by miracles. Let's let April, which the greatest miracle of all we celebrated last week, that the Son of God was raised from the dead. What a miracle. So why don't we... This month, be captivated by the miracles. And sometimes patience. It's patience. Requires patience. And so be captivated. Never give up. Never let go. And uh, I think about the woman in Matthew 15, 25. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bed, bread and toss it to their dogs. Well, in that day, Gentiles were called dogs. That's what Jewish people call Gentiles, dogs. So Jesus was basically saying it's not right 
uh, to take children's bread and toss it to the Gentiles. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. The humility and faith and tenacity of this woman to look at Jesus, the Son of God, and not to be deterred by his response to her. See, you can call me a dog. You can call me whatever I want. But I'm not leaving this table. I'm staying here. And if all I get is crumbs, bring on the crumbs. There'll be more than enough in my life. And Jesus' response, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Why? She said, I ain't leaving here until I get the response that I need. Folks, let me tell you, I ain't leaving here until I get the response that God wants to give us. We're supposed to be stars shining in the universe. A light to a world filled with darkness. A voice of hope for the hopeless. And that sometimes you get crossways with people. And you allow yourself to make decisions based on a person you got crossways with. Instead of the person who went to the cross to make everything right. Don't you let getting crossways with somebody remove you from the place of your miracle. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Stand firm. Stand strong and believe. Some of you need a job. And you, you have struck out time and again. Your miracle awaits your tenacity. And it may come from a different direction in a different way than you expect. But don't give up on your miracle. Don't quit. Don't get discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Stand strong. You know, this is Black Sunday. Pastor Mark was reminding me. The Sunday after Easter is the number one Sunday of the year where pastors either commit suicide or just choose to walk out. You come off of the biggest day of the year, and then you come back. And Of course, for us, the crowd's great today, but I'm just saying, I told Mark, I said, you know what, I don't even look at that anymore. I'm looking to Jesus because what I see with these eyes can't compare what I know with these eyes and what I know in this heart. I see what God wants to do. Even if I don't see it with these eyes, I see it with spirit eyes. And I know that God's going to do incredible things in your life, in your families, in your jobs. And it's just going to happen. So don't get discouraged. Don't give in. Wrestle with God like Jacob did if you need to. Until Jacob said, I'm not letting you go. It was an angel. He's wrestling with him. He knocked his hip out of socket. And, 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 and Jacob said, I am not letting you go until you bless me. Boy, that's the kind of faith I want. As I wrestle with God and say, God, I ain't letting go. Angel of God, I'm not letting go until you bless me, until you do for me what I expect you to do for me. And it's not ruling over God. Let me tell you what it's doing. People who don't understand the covenant don't understand that God's covenant, by his choosing, he established the covenant. God obligated himself to perform what he said he would perform. God obligated himself. So when you call on covenant and you're tenacious about what the Bible says, you're just tenacious about what God said he would do. You're not manipulating God. You're reminding God, and he said, remind me. Call me into remembrance of my word. 
That's what we're doing every time we pull on God is we're not being arrogant. We're not demanding anything of God. We're calling on God to do what he demanded himself to do. Believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That's what God said, Jesse. Train up your children in the way they should go when they're old and not depart from it. That's what God said. I didn't say that. God did. I have five kids. Man, the more you have, the more you have to believe. Because, man, one of them's always going to be an idiot. There's one in every family. I just happened to be that one when I was growing up. I tell them, I know there's an idiot in every family. I was it. Every family got one. And then my mama just refused to let go. And, and my mama prayed and said, God, I ain't letting go of him. I was the last one in my family to get born again. And my mama prayed. I know she prayed for me. I was bad, bad, bad. And, and, uh, and then I, ha- I have to preach. But I get to. God has great things. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up. Miracles coming your way. Father, thank you so much. You're an awesome God. We thank you so much for all that you've done and all that you do. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, there may be those of you here that are not born again. You're not saved. You're not a Christian. The greatest miracle of all is that God can take a sinner like us and turn us into a saint. If that's you today, listen very carefully to me. Don't play roulette with this precious gift of life. If you are not a Christian and you would like to be a Christian, it is truly a miracle today when you pray that your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. You immediately will experience the forgiveness of God. Now, you've already been forgiven, but until you pray, you will not experience that forgiveness. But Jesus holds out forgiveness every second of every day to people. The miracle happens when people accept what he's holding out, which is grace and mercy and forgiveness. If that's you today, you say, I'm not a Christian, I want to be. I want to ask you to lift your hand up, put it right back down right now. And there are those of you watching online, I want to ask you to just put your hand up and say, that's me. Yes, that's me. I want prayer today. Okay, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Jesus, today, I repent of my sins. I confess with my mouth, you are the Lord of my life. I believe in my heart, God raised you from the dead. Today I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.